0: Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in. Pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Ryan, and uh, Jocelyn is not here this week. Uh, she's actually uh, gone on the road. She's following the Toronto Maple Leafs as they uh, face off against the Florida Panthers. She's going to be on the road. Uh, just kidding. She's actually uh, she's she's taking a bit of a break. She's had a move. She's getting settled. And uh, we're hoping to welcome her back just in time for Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, but until then, I'm going to have some guests co-hosting, and this week, I've got Ridiculous Hat. How's it going, Hat? It's going all right. How are you, Ryan? Doing well, doing well. We've got a whole host of video games to talk about. Um, I'm not going to lie. I, I said to Hat, like, hey, what are, you, what are you playing? And And you sent me a list, then a paragraph, then another list, and I said let's do it let's talk about all these games we can do some quick fire we can dig into some others we've got some shared experiences so you know let's let's start with the guests let's start with you hat what is currently keeping you busy video game wise
1: So I looked at the list I sent you Mm -hmm. of games that I either had recently finished or am playing now or just play all the time. 17. That's a lot of games. I might play too many games. I don't know. Uh, But so as a general rule, you always have to assume with me, I'm going to play some card games. I have some live service card games, Hearthstone, obviously, a good bit of Marvel Snap, Legends of Runeterra, the single-player content, The Path of Champions. I come back to it every few months, usually, and right now it it has me. Uh, it's really, really fun. Single, or single player, but within the context of a live service game, roguelike mode. And generally speaking, I always look for indie roguelikes wherever I can find them, over on Steam, over on the Switch. Uh, there were some that I was waiting for them to port, but Ryan... Part of this was your experience, but I, I took the plunge. My Steam Deck comes tomorrow.
0: Oh, there you go. I don't have to. Uh, it's funny when I talk about Steam Deck. I, I always try all my PC games on the Steam Deck, and uh, I've had really good luck with, with the Steam Deck and, and how it works, so I recommend it quite often. So I'm excited that you're, that you're picking one up. And uh, what model did you go with out of curiosity? The 512. Nice. Very good. Yeah, that's that's I think that's a good investment.
1: I, I think so. Like, I really enjoy having a lot of games and jumping between them all the time. And you need this space like so. OK, my PS5 it sounds like a random segue, but it isn't. Um, I was looking at Jedi Survivor because I'm curious about playing it. Haven't gotten it yet, but it's 130 gigs. And so I was looking at my PS5 storage and I was thinking about all the games that I had just not had room for. And I said, you know what? And I got I ordered an expansion, a two terabyte expansion hard drive, and I plugged it in. And then I just went and I downloaded like 12 games that I had deleted. Was I going to play them ever? Am I going to play them ever? I don't know. But if I want to, they're there. So I had the same logic with the Steam Deck. Hey, might as well have it because it's otherwise just such a pain in the butt.
0: It, it is true. Here's the thing you and I are very alike when it comes to uh, storage space, and I. I struggle sometimes, uh, specifically with the PS5. I know it's like they ship at one terabyte, but really you only have like 800 gigabytes to work with. Um, I will go through the painstaking process of—I uh, I call it archiving—but like moving a PS5 game to the external PS4 drive. Oh, that the I have M2. Contained. Oh, yeah. the external. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow, that takes a while, right? It takes. Too long, too long, much faster to to just delete the game that you're probably not going to go back to, especially if you've finished it, done an hour and a half spoiler podcast for it, and they have said nothing about DLC looking at you, Ragnarok. Uh, And that's a big game. So like, but no, for me, it's like, but what if I want to go back to it? And what if I don't have time to download it? I just have to boot it up. But then that logic goes out the window when you realize, wait a minute, Ryan, you have to actually still move it from this it'll be faster to download it so for me i I really struggle with uninstalling games um like even pc games i'm like well what if what if i uninstall it and then my save is nowhere to be found like well they're all in the cloud if it's a steam game but what if you never know that's not true they steam's really i've never had an issue with steam saves uh in terms of the cloud so uh i'm trying i'm trying to do better in uninstalling games that I know I'm not going to go back to. I just feel like if you uninstall it, then you'll forget about it forever, maybe. Maybe that's the problem. I don't know.
1: It's every so often I'll go through my Your Library games, especially when I go and get my monthly PS Plus games. Um, Like, I'll just look through what do I have not installed, but then it just gets overwhelming. And I think about there are some games I have an emotional attachment to. Like, am I going to play Hollow Knight again? Maybe not. But am I going to uninstall it? Absolutely not. And there are a lot of games like that where... just becomes easier to have more room you know yeah Yeah. just easier
0: that's a really good point you know you have these games that you're attached to and you just you just want to have available even if you're not going to go back to it anytime soon and i i think that's uh that's kind of where i'm leaning as well so you know but for the steam deck i think having the 512 onboard storage is really good you can probably get a it's similar to the switch in that like if you can get a micro sd card you know, on, on the inexpensive, like a sale on Amazon, you can really expand, uh, the storage there. I mean, you're, you'd still probably run out in comparison to the switch. I think the switch I've, I'm, I've got a terabyte card in mine and it's good for a while considering the size of Nintendo games. But, um, yeah, I think I would recommend like having a a micro SD card to, to slot in there. If you're looking for even more storage and, uh, it works really well. I've, I've played both games on the fast memory as well as on, off the SD card and I haven't really noticed a difference, but uh, there's something about having more space on the internal drive because I just, I think back to like, Oh, 120 gigabytes for my C drive will be just fine. And then you quickly realize like, Oh, that fills up quick and suddenly windows doesn't work so well. So it's nice to have extra space on the main drive for sure. Uh, so you'll, so you'll be uh so is there a game that you're off the top of your head looking forward to trying like right off the bat with your new steam deck?
1: So there's a game we're going to talk about in a second here that I think we've both been talking about as developer for steam deck, but the, the main pull, the reason that I was thinking about getting something that felt like a switch, but it plays steam games is pizza tower. Because I've been desperate for Pizza Tower to come to Switch. It it was it definitely had its moment a couple weeks ago, uh, and I played a little bit of it on PC with a controller, and it feels like the perfect game for Switch. And it's just it's it's a fast paced precision platformer with a totally trippy Ren and Stimpy esque art style. Uh, the I played the tutorial and got overwhelmed, but it seems really really fun and very fast. Uh, I know that we talked about it a bit, and. Uh, after that, well we're going to talk about Trinity Fusion here. But what about you? What what have been the titles that have really jumped out for you on Steam Deck or is there anything new that you've just picked up lately Steam Deck or otherwise?
0: Yeah, so uh like every time I have like a smaller PC title, uh I've I've always gravitated to playing it on on the Steam Deck to the, to the point even where I'm not even playing it handheld, I have it uh I bought um an unofficial dock for it and I usually have it you know hooked up to the TV and it it's just like a console I I hit the power button make sure everything's working on the TV turn on my Xbox controller and I'm playing uh, I'm playing my Steam Deck on the TV <laughs> so oh, you know wow. I do use it That's handheld awesome. as well. yeah it it works really well and I honestly would uh suggest looking at um a dock for it too if if you're interested in having like that that switch like experience both docked and undocked um is it called Steam Dock? Uh it, well, I think it's called the <laughs> Unfortunately it's it's a little more difficult. It's the Steam Deck Dock, I think is what it's called. Uh the official oh. one, at least. But uh I think the one I got uh was it's like an off-brand one. I'm trying to remember the exact brand. There's a bunch of them that kind of come recommended and uh I'm gonna look it up. I feel like it starts with a J. Um you know now I'm now I'm not finding it. Of course you don't have the Look it up it after
1: the show. Send me a link.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely Oh, that it's not with. There is ones that start with J, but this one's an iVoler Steam Deck and I will uh Steam Deck dock and I'll send you the the link to it. But it has everything you need. Uh it's always on sale and uh, I'm sure it's even less expensive uh in the states, but uh yeah, it has like HDMI um you got your USBs, you got Ethernet, if you really want to make sure you're downloading fast. Uh, so wow. lots of fun stuff on that. But um, yeah, like I played, uh, I played. So over the past weeks, we've been talking about different games. I played Dredge, uh, which I know you have on on your list here as a game you've played. Um, and, you know, just uh, other smaller titles like Trinity Fusion, the one we're going to talk about, Dave the Diver, which I'll give a mention to later on as well just like anything that doesn't like, I know there's been a lot of discussions in the discord about like, well, it doesn't play like current games. And it's like, well, there are a lot of games that are coming out that aren't like you need a 4090 to run. And I'm not saying Jedi survivor is one that you need the absolute highest hardware to play. There's it's a scale, but, um, I'm not, I didn't buy a steam deck to play like the latest and greatest, uh, on a handheld. Cause I know that's like, that's a tough thing to ask because these are complex games that require complex hardware. And the steam deck is, you know, it's by no means simple, but it it is, it is hardware stuck at a specific level, but I've always gravitated to like the smaller experiences, the more, uh, I don't even want to say indie, but just anything that's like, like Dave, the diver, Trinity fusion dredge, like smaller sort of focused titles that don't require as much processing power to, to have that fun. And, uh, that's sort of been my focus uh, with, with the steam deck is to look at those experiences. And if, if you're like me and you love to play a lot of those smaller experiences, those, you know, um, less intensive experiences, the steam deck is a really good investment. Uh, And I think, I I think like if, if, but if you're trying to play the latest and greatest, the latest and greatest can't require like a high end graphics card. That being said, Played Resident Evil 4 on it for a little bit. That worked quite well. So it's capable, for sure. For sure.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's a handheld computer the same way that I wouldn't buy most laptops, except for like a multiple thousand dollar gaming laptop, if I wanted to play whatever the newest, biggest game was on launch. I don't even know what like the big PC game is this year that's gonna be really graphically intensive, but I was going to say Redfall, but I don't think you need much to run that because it's not going to run that well anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy a you know a six hundred dollar ThinkPad and play Elden Ring on it. The same way that I wouldn't expect that with the Steam the Steam Deck. It's just it is a smaller, more portable console, and there's going to be some kind of compromise with that. But also, those are the kind of games where I really like to sit down and get into it in the on the computer this has to have some kind of different use case from my computer because otherwise it's not a good buy because then I'm just going to be at my computer. So if this is meant to be a computer that I take with me, then that makes my very large, expensive computer less relevant. I'd rather they be distinct than be exactly the same. I'd rather they have different use cases where I can say this feels like a Steam Deck game. And the, the games you mentioned, it doesn't have to be indie, but it has to be a more contained experience as opposed to something huge where I want to put my headphones on and sit in a computer in a dark room for a while. Like I don't want that sort of thing. I think of Titanfall two where it's this big cinematic experience or or a Bioshock game. I don't intend for that to be a steam deck thing. It's a tiny, tiny screen that I'm holding in my hand. I expect that to be a big cinematic thing that I play in a cinematic environment. This is for something where I can just screw around and play something
0: fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, that's the right way to look at it. It's it's it can be if obviously if you play the type of games that that I listed, like uh, it can be your sole PC. Um, but like, really, it is I think it's it, it works also really well as a companion piece of hardware to to your main PC. I mean, personally, like, I'm not a big PC gamer. I've tried to step away from it a little bit and, and it's, it's gotten easier as there are less like exclusive PC experiences, but I still have a, a fairly decent PC. But for me, I just, I gravitate more to the console experience. Not that I am afraid to, you know, you know, tinker with the steam deck and try to do some different things with it. Cause there's a lot that the, that the hardware can do, but um, yeah, I just, I, I think it's a, it's a really cool handheld PC as well as a, it, it works really well in docked mode. They did a really great job, you know, sort of making that work. And I mean, if you have a lot of like, I, I find it works really well with a lot of like pick up and play repeatable experiences. Like you just want to get one more run in, uh, you know, I'm, OK, I'm going to do it with the ha- in handheld mode or like, no, I'm going to chill. And I want to chill on the couch and watch it on the big screen. I'll, I'll put it in the dock and it works really well. It's very versatile um but i mean that that brings me to like our first game our first main game here and that both you and i have been playing uh trinity fusion now i managed to you know get a code from uh the publisher uh or the pr uh reps and uh it's it's launched in early access uh it is a uh it is a well (laughs) it's it's a roguelike right I, I, I always try to look up the store page to know whether it's a roguelike or roguelite. it's a roguelite. I t- I always say the wrong one. So it's so
1: I think this one, I don't know how much like the distinction, just for clarification's sake, like means you have to get better each run because the game doesn't help you, whereas light means every run you do makes some kind of per- persistent meta progression. And for this game, I don't know about the upgrades. There are three characters. And progression un- unlocks them. So I don't know if it actually makes you stronger. I just know it gives you options when you start a run.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So this one's, it's very interesting. So like I said, it's early access right now. You can pick it up on Steam and it's, it's based in a multiverse. So there's a multiverse that that this game is set in. And the idea is, is that the three characters that you can unlock and control are all the same person from different universes. And the idea here is that the, the universes were split. I guess the universes were split up, but to save the multiverse, they have to basically bring everything back to one universe. And obviously no one's a big fan of that. And that's part of sort of the, the driving story here. And, uh, I got to say like at the beginning of the game, as you're controlling the first character and they start to set it up, it, it feels like a pretty, standard approach to a rogue uh, light as you're just kind of working your way through the environments, you're getting power-ups, you're unlocking new weapons, you're destroying enemies. Where I think it gets really interesting and starts to do something different that is uh, really cool to see, because I always like to see experimentation in this genre, is when you unlock the second character. And you're suddenly in new environments, you're getting new dialogue, new story, and all that stuff. So, like, in your playing with this, I know you and I got around to the same part where you unlocked the second character. You ended up fighting one or one or two bosses. But, like, did you find that that aspect of it where you're unlocking the second character and getting like a another slice of the story that way? Did you find that interesting?
1: Yeah, it's so I like a lot of the shell of what this game is trying to do. I think it's important that we emphasize this is capital e early access, mm-hmm. as in you get to the end of the first level of the second character and you go to the warp to the next level and they say this will be added in a future update. So, it's super not done. And so um, I'm I'm going to make some comments on on the the specific polish and nature of the game, but I expect that to change because the game's not done. Uh with that being said, the shell here does seem like it is interesting and engaging in terms of unlocking the characters and the different way that I feel like they're going to make the different runs kind of converge in a way so like if you go through uh, I think it's meant to be that you basically make asynchronous progression through the different aspects through the different characters and I think that's a really cool concept of it actually makes the game more interesting though it can it can feel more linear than a roguelike in that there's a really clear story here so it's not like you're starting the same thing over and over again. You're getting a little further in this one character that opens this other thing but this other character. That could be really cool. And it's also going to give people much more clear like progression feelings and progression points so that if you normally aren't interested in the roguelike or roguelite genres, that you're if it normally just feels samey and runs together, I think this will be pretty different. And I like a lot of the vibe. Uh, the Synthway soundtrack really drew me in. Uh, but also, there are some polished things that I would say are a knock against the game, but the game's not done. So, you know,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, no, there's definitely, you know, sometimes when a game launches in early access, it's like, okay, this is something that we're going to be working on for the next six months to a year. Uh, that I think this, this to me, I don't know if they've announced how long they're going to be in early access, but this feels to me like this is early, the early days you're seeing um, you're seeing Roblox put up of like future content coming soon pretty quickly within the first four hours, depending on how far you can get in your runs. But again, like that, I, I agree with you. It's, it's, um, it's just something uh, we're stating. It's not a knock against the game because it is an early access. And, but I think it's just, it's worth noting like how much content you're getting here. And um, obviously they're going to continue to, to work on the game. And, and since it launched, there was a, I think a fairly substantial patch that kind of started to address some of the early issues, like the, the first area you go into, I think is the outskirts in the patch. They were saying that they, uh, they were making it more randomized, a little bit smaller because they want you to kind of like push through it a little, a little quicker. Like it's similar to dead cells in like the first area you're in as you're just kind of like working your way to the different biomes after that. Um, but a really cool thing that I came across was that once you unlock multiple characters, you can actually find like a... It's called like a, a, a... I don't know what it's actually called, but what it does is it fuses you with with the other character that you have, which then unlocks oh, wow. their unique abilities. Like, for example, we were talking pre-show, but when we unlocked the second character, we kept trying to double jump because the first character has double jump and the second character just has like a longer jump. And uh, I fell in a lot of lava because we didn't have the double jump anymore but uh using this fusion ability you unlock i like i i don't know if it kind of combines your powers because i felt like every time i did it i always had the double jump whether i started with the uh and all these characters have names but i'm terrible with names but um when you have the second character and you fuse with the first one you got the double jump but that also unlocks the the choice you have at those warp points Uh, to go to the second area for the first character or the second area for the second character and i think it kind of it gives you options to change up your run so if you want to go fight the boss for the second character you can you can start in the first area or the first character's area but you can work your way over there by by finding the fusion marker and then choosing that specific path and uh and I and I and that's also a really cool way of handling early access, because if you are still working on content um specifically for the second character, it gives you more more playability to bring that character into other paths that you normally wouldn't be able to, because your starting area is based on what character you choose. So like there's kind of a lot going on, and because it's early access and they they haven't added all the content, there's still a lot to to choose from in terms of like the biomes you're going in, but like i agree with you like the UI is definitely something they're gonna keep working on i would assume and uh some of the controls feel a little floaty um uh, but like i get again that's something that they can tighten up over time and i assume they will uh to a certain degree but uh it, yeah it's a, it's a really neat experience and it's um while not verified on steam deck i just noticed here like on their steam page they've got they've put their own little play it on steam deck green check Mark. Um, it hasn't been verified yet, but they have, it it does work on steam. I've been playing on steam deck. It works great both in handheld and docked mode. Um, so like that's that's something they, they made very clear with their marketing is that like, while it's not verified by valve, we have done testing and it works really well. And our priority is just to get the early access launched, but they had a whole update, uh, based on, uh, based on steam deck availability and basically confirmed that it was something that they, they had in mind. And, uh, I even noticed that they, so they are looking to launch, I guess, winter 2023. So they have a roadmap on their steam page. So I'm just kind of looking at it now. So that's kind of interesting. So it's going to launch by the end of year, uh, end of year, maybe early next year. I guess if this is too well, be, assuming
1: they keep that timeline, yeah. I mean oh no, and yeah.
0: we it, we shouldn't hold it to them either, because like stuff slips, stuff changes, so you know, take their time for sure, like I don't want them to rush through it just because they put together some fancy graphics, right uh but yeah, like i I have not unlocked the third character i I felt like once I unlocked the second character, I was like, oh, this is I, I much prefer the mobility and the weapons that you get with the second character. I don't know if you. Felt that way. Maybe it's because I kept dying as yeah. the, as the first character. <laughs> just badass.
1: The controls, the controls are definitely the thing to me that stand out the most as like this is where they have the opportunity to really catch me or not. Because as I've as I've played more of these games, I've gotten a little older, like I really want a responsive game where it feels like my input is immediately recognized and that i have full control over what i'm doing and that it feels good to play and right now i think we're a little bit short of that like it's not bad and there are some things like you said the ui i don't know what i'm picking up out of the chest most of the time like i don't know what the materials are for i don't know when i'm going to use them i don't really know what i'm doing uh and so there, you know polished stuff And the controls are definitely the thing that I hope they improve the most. But the concepts here are interesting. The vibe is cool. Definitely kind of a Metroid Dread sort of thing. Um, Like, very similar in terms of just evil space worlds. Uh, And I dig that vibe. I think Mm -hmm. it's got a lot of really interesting ideas. So if they're able to polish it up and execute well, like, I envision myself playing through this. And I don't know how big of a game it is. I don't know if it's going to be, like, a 10-20 hour uh, sort of deal. But, you know... I bought it. I, you know, I didn't have the, the publisher connects. And so I'm, I'm intending to play through it at some point, but I think I got about the same spot as you. I don't even know if the third characters in this thing. It might be.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. Like it's, it's hard to, I haven't unlocked her yet. Uh, and, and it is another thing. Like we mentioned controls, but I, but I look at like a lot of their, um, a lot of their animated gifts they have on their store page, a lot of their video, like th- I almost feel like maybe maybe it's me that's not good at controlling this game because some of the movements that that I see here half the time, like, okay, I can kind of see there's there's some floatiness. I I struggled a lot like to try to fight uh, flying enemies because I have yet to get a controllable uh, maybe maybe I did get one controllable ranged weapon and it was like a but it was a frost, so it would just kind of like freeze them in place. So I really struggle with sort of that vertical combat uh but like it's very rare you have to fight something in the air i think it's like one in ten enemies maybe maybe more but that's a lot there are a lot of enemies in this game
1: i had the same thing where it felt like i should be able to attack up more yeah and when something was above me it was just kind of a pain and i didn't really find a good solution to that and some weapons were better at it and some weapons were really really not good at it
0: yeah yeah but it is it, it is really i i like I think like once I got through the first boss and unlocked the, the they, they, un- you unlock that second character, but you also unlock some environmental stuff too. Like I think when you beat the first boss for the first character, you get like this little drone. So like you are as you're playing through the game, you're realizing like, and this comes back to the Metroidvania side of it, the Metroid dread, not just the look and sort of the, the feel of it, but also like you see, okay, there's these little pathways that are a little bit raised up i can't slide through them i can't find a way to kind of dodge into them there must be some ability that i need and of course once you defeat the first boss you unlock the ability to have like this warp drone and that allows you to fly your drone through the little uh you know opening and then you hit a button and suddenly you you warp to where the drone is and now you can you can go into this secret area so like there's stuff like that too, which I find really cool. And obviously, there's something you'll get for the second character because there's a lot of these like purple orbs, probably a hook shot of some kind, I'd, I'd imagine. And when you fusion during a, a run through, you actually get that other character's special ability. So you unlock the drone with the second character, and and probably vice versa if if you have that that secondary power. So like they've they've kind of sprinkled in you know, the, the legit metroidvania stuff where you're having to like get new powers. And I know dead cells had that as well. Like where you're like, you unlock the,
1: the various runes.
0: Yeah. The ruins. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's really cool. And, but like I said, it's, it, it's very, it, it is early access. I feel like most of the stuff we talked about, they can, if they, if they decide to could iron it out, like specifically the. You, I agree with you. The UI, like sometimes it's hard to tell what you're picking up and um some of the button mappings are a little weird, although you can remap them if you're playing with a controller, like just with the uh the equipment management screen. But but like that uh that combat that they show off in the videos, like that it like when you get a good you know, a good clip going, like it feels it feels really solid. You know, and some of the weapons are like Really quick, really fast, and those are my faves basically. So, but yeah, um, yeah, it's uh Trinity Fusion, it's out now, early access. Uh, check it out if you're interested. But it is it is a really cool roguelite action platformer with some uh, some Metroidvania sprinkled in. Now, uh, let's uh, you know, let's do something a little different. Let's talk about a game that I know has popped up in my Twitter feed quite a bit. But I have not played it. Um, but this is Case of the Golden Idol, which is going to be getting some DLC, I think, next week, right?
1: Yes. Uh, Friday? I think it's Friday.
0: Yeah. That sounds right. Um.
1: So so did you play Oberdin?
0: I did. I played some of it, and then uh, <laughs> I realized that game was smarter than me, and I did not finish it. Well you should finish oprah din i know i really fun game i i I hit a wall and uh it's not the game's fault i think it was just like i can't figure this out and i can't even remember where it was that i that i sort of hit a wall but like i think i didn't want to use a guide and i think maybe that was my problem i should have i should have pushed through with a guide rather than dropping it but i I did enjoy what i played of it
1: yeah it's so my wife and i are big procedural fans we watch a lot of columbo a lot of columbo in the house Really big fans of solving mysteries, that sort of thing. And we love the clue movie. So, Oberdin, something that my wife and I like to do, we do, I'm going to do air quotes, couch co op of games that are less mechanically focused. Things like Oberdin or There Is No Game uh, or any of the other titles where you kind of reason through what's happening, solve puzzles together or mysteries together, and one person is driving. Really love that experience. So, Case of the Golden Idol was another one of those, and it's kind of like Clue in that it has this. So there are two panels. You basically are given a scene that you can pan through. It's not live action; like it is, a, it is a, a moment in time, and you get to flip between a couple different vignettes. But there's no time component here. There's no, there's no like. It's not an action game; just a, a flat adventure diorama where you go and you click and you collect clues. And you see what people are playing, you see see, what's, see what people are saying, see what's in their pockets. Uh, and then there's a thinking panel that as you collect clues and information, it populates. It tells you when you have all the hints. It gives you words for verbs, words for nouns, uh, words for, uh, I, th- I guess it's just verbs, nouns. Uh, basically people, things, and uh, and actions. And then you have to fill in color-coded basically who did what when and where and it locks it in when you fill out there are a bunch of different smaller panels relating to different things in the scene that you're looking at whenever you fill out a panel completely correctly then it locks it in if you fill it in partially correctly if you have two or fewer incorrect answers it tells you otherwise it says there's more than two incorrect things here and you have to reason your way through this whole thing with slowly more information being confirmed to you by the game the same way that Oberdin, you know it does when you have three people exactly right it locks them in doesn't matter which three same kind of idea here of just the game gives you more information by you making correct choices and then it says all right that's correct now you can move on to the next deduction based on this uh it's pretty short all things considered it didn't take long only a few hours to really get through it uh but had a really great time with it and then like you said there's going to be a DLC with another three scenarios added on for 5 bucks and it's under the i believe it is golden idol mysteries is the overarching theming on the DLC which makes me think this is just going to be episodic content whenever they
0: finish it okay that's really cool so like they have there's this idea that that they'll continue to add on to it and it's very expandable with, with the type of mechanics that they've set up for the game. Uh, I I like the idea of like the deduction side of it, of like trying to figure out the puzzle based on like the words you have. I was just looking at screenshots as well. Like it looks like, like I like a good deduction puzzle. And I think I, I also played the, uh, there is no game. And that was another one that I, that I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed that one as well. So like, I like the idea of like a, like one of those point and click solving mysteries games. I've never watched an episode of Columbo uh, or seen Clue oh. for that matter. But so.
1: Oh, man. I know. You got to add those to your media list. Classic mystery stuff. Clue was really fun. And then Columbo was Peter Falk at his absolute best. Just uh, it's it's very entertaining.
0: OK, now I will just I'll I'll need to look up who Peter Falk is. But
1: uh... have you seen The Princess Bride?
0: Uh, yes. Yes, I have seen that. OK.
1: The guy that's reading to the young Fred Savage, the grandfather.
0: Oh, okay.
1: That's Peter Falk.
0: That guy. Yes. Okay. Still haven't seen Columbo, but I'll add that to the list. But I know who Peter Falk is. So there we go. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, like I I think that, uh, you know, those type of games, those type of mystery solving games, like I, I know Case of the Golden Idol got a lot of buzz. When it released last year, I think it uh, feels like it was last year, but maybe I think it, wasn't. it was
1: last year. Yeah. And I will point out as well, the graphics, these are pixel graphics and not like modern pixel graphics that have been, uh, but that are meant to emulate the olden days. The graphics are a little, I'm not going to call them rough, but I'm going to say if you are turned off by pixel graphics, these will probably be particularly polarizing. I would look up screenshots it's not trying to be a looker of a game. It has a very particular presentation. Um, I found it charming, but I understand that it's, you know, the graphics are not the main reason to play this game. It's, it looks like a retro title, but it plays like one, which is a good thing in my book.
0: Right. So they're kind of aiming for that feel. Like they're not like sometimes when we talk about pixel graphics, it's like, Oh man, this is what I remember the SNES looking like or something. And then you quickly realize like, mm, no, that. That's not what the SNES looked like. It, it looked much worse than that. So, uh, like they've mo- its not a modernized pixelized style. It's, it is like ripped straight from um, those point-and-click adventures. Like I, I'm even trying to think of like how you would describe that era of PC. Like I guess floppy yeah. disks. <laughs> the
1: the Lucas Arts era. Like sure. it's it looks a lot like Star Trek 25th anniversary or the Indiana Jones point-and-click adventures or Day of the Tentacle. But like actually more like Maniac Mansion the day of the tentacle I think Maniac Mansion is probably the comparison that I'd
0: make okay interesting yeah no it, it looks it looks really interesting and I, and yeah like this, it's totally worth noting like the the look and feel of the game um, because I, I know a lot of people you say pixelated graphics or pixel graphics and and uh, pixelated graphics might be the better way to describe it but like it, you're right I'm looking at it, it's like it has that like very you it's very unique and and honestly it's like uh it's it's i'm looking at it and it's, it's some of these screenshots are a little like freaky you know like just some yeah. of the some of the some of the expressions on people's faces and stuff so there i would go.
1: definitely like google image search the game before you buy it just to make sure you will know very quickly if it's not your thing and if it does not immediately turn you off and what we're saying sounds compelling i would absolutely go for it but if you look at a couple screenshots and you say ew then just don't buy it it's fine
0: yeah it says here that uh similar to games you've played, phasmophobia, but I'm guessing that's not accurate. that's just a that's just an AI problem
1: yeah, I would um i I don't think they're that similar. <laughs> they both involve people dying, but that's okay. about it.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. true. Do they involve uh locking people in the garage with the ghost as you run out of the room and and uh, go back to the van where it's safe? I might not have gotten to that case yet okay well maybe it's in the dlc yes who knows
1: but if you're interested instead of people dying people diving Ooh. then maybe you have a recommendation
0: for us that's solid you nailed it there yeah no uh dave the diver is something that i'm uh playing uh actually i finished it surprisingly so this is another one that's um early access Uh, i got a code for this one a couple months ago and i've been kind of chipping away at it and uh I, I think like it's uh, so Dave the Diver, it's in early access right now, although the the great thing about this one, is it's been in early access for a bit and is launching uh, 1.0 in June. And it is a it's one of those um, mashup games, which I really love. So it's like it's part deep sea diving, fishing adventure game, part sushi restaurant management. So it's got that like uh, cook serve delicious feel to it when you're when you're managing the restaurant or like uh, Moonlighter. Yeah. like Moonlighter. Yeah. Moonlighter is a really good example because like that that has that that mashup of genres where it's a dungeon crawler, but it's also like a shopkeep simulator. And this one like so Dave the Diver, you play as Dave. Uh, It's not going to surprise you that he loves to dive and he. Yeah, <laughs> he gets an opportunity to start diving in this area. Uh, I think it's called the Blue Hole. Uh, that's what they call it in the game. And you, the the idea is basically like every time you dive. The unique part about this area is that it it is a it's always different. So it's got that randomly generated sort of feel to it as well, where every time you dive in, you are seeing. Um, Similar biomes. They're like other randomly generated games. There's a bunch of biomes, uh, but the areas are generated in a way that uh, they should they should be different each time you you go into the water. And the way the flow works, especially early on, is that the first two segments of the day, morning and afternoon, you're diving. You are um, using a harpoon gun to collect fish for your restaurant. Uh, and basically, you can while you're while you're a- underwater, uh, there's some hand waving to basically be like, yeah, you you can find uh, equipment and, and different weapons underwater, but they don't work once they leave the water. They break. They're like a t- they're tied to the to the randomness of of the area. Uh, so they hand wave that away, but it does allow you to get different equipment unlocked as you go, similar to other. Uh, rogue lights as you uh, discover new weapons and abilities um, or no, uh, weapons and equipment but uh, they reset every time you leave the water um, the unique thing here though is that as you're collecting fish you have a weight limit so you can only collect so many fish and then you have to return to the surface uh, you, it, there's no health it's all based on oxygen so if you get hit by an aggressive fish you lose a bit of oxygen Um, the longer you stay underwater, the, 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 your oxygen decreases and you need to make sure that you have like an exit strategy so that you don't run out of oxygen. If you do, however, um, they have a rescue mechanic, you get rescued and then you get to pick one item that you collected one fish that you can send, uh, that you can take with you. So basically as you're being you know, hoisted out of the water, you've, you've, you've clutched onto one thing and the rest floats to the bottom. (laughs) Uh, Mm. So that's, that's sort of the diving mechanic aspect of it. And of course you can spend money to upgrade your equipment so that you can um, have a higher oxygen uh, tank. You can uh, carry more stuff, stuff like that. Make your harpoon gun a little stronger because the further you go obviously the stronger the fish get so that you need to you know harpoon them multiple times i don't know what meat you're getting out of them as you harpoon them multiple times but uh it seems to work
1: don't think about it too hard
0: no you're not supposed to like it's one of those games where you don't want to you don't want to spend like it's the it's it's the fun aspect of it and it's got like a story to it and there are constantly characters popping up who are giving you different tasks to to do while you're under there like whether you're looking for you know sunken treasure or specific equipment um in order to unlock the weapon upgrades you got to find like uh the the dude who helps you um he lost one of his collectible statues uh one of the i think the kraken had sort of hit the boat that was shipping it in and he's like well i'm not going to help you upgrade your weapons until you bring me my uh, anime figurine um so you get that anime figurine from the giant Kraken and then suddenly you can upgrade your weapons. So like it the game does not take itself seriously. There's a lot going on. It's 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 fun tongue in cheek in terms of like the story they're telling and and the characters they're introducing. But that's like just one half of the game. The other half is the whole sushi restaurant part where all the fish you get and all the meat you collect while you're while you're out diving, that goes into the restaurant part of it where you are having to prepare specific dishes from the meat you you've, you've, uh, collected. And, um, you, you set a menu and there's like ways to upgrade your food items that you find. So you can research new food and there's like a whole social media aspect to it as well, where you have to like, you know, the, the more likes you get, the, the more research points you have to, to research new food. Um, this but, is too realistic. Yeah, the, like there's also like a hiring mechanic. So like there's this like hiring manager that comes around, and you can like pay for like an internet ad, and then hire from that <laughs> ad.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah, it gets in. It, it like it doesn't get so far into the weeds where like you have like um like a like a weekly salary you have to pay out. You just pay you pay like a finder's fee for the person to work there. It, I think like from a mechanic standpoint. It simplifies it because you just have to pay like that finding fee. I don't I don't feel like there might be expenses, but uh, honestly, like I don't I don't see it coming out of your uh, out of your like ledger (laughs) as you finish each day. I hope uh, like I hope that we I think maybe maybe it's coming out of your operating expenses, but it really feels like they hide a lot of that extra stuff that would just drag down the experience because it is supposed to be like a light sort of restaurant management you hear management and you think like, man, we're we going to be doing all kinds of stuff. Really. It boils down to like the restaurant side of it is you, you're not even cooking. Like the pers- there's your, the AI is cooking and you just have to serve the food, but it gets more complex as you have more people coming in and then they're asking for tea and beer and, and you're having to pour those manually. Um, but as you, you can hire staff to kind of help you out. So like at first that stat, the staff would just take the plates that are, that are, have been prepared but you can like train your staff so that they'll help you pour drinks. They'll help you uh, do other tasks and whatnot, but you have to, you have to pay coins into that training. So like, there's just a lot of like depth to the game in that, like when you boil it down to like, it's part deep sea diving, part restaurant management, like it sounds simple, but then they keep adding layers to it. So there's like different areas you can explore. You're having to save um, you know, uh, lost whales you're having to find, um, like, I don't know if it's, it would be considered, it's all over their steam page, but like, there's like uh there's, there's mer people that you like a lost sea civilization that you have to find and, and help the whole idea is that there's some like environmental catastrophes that are happening. So you have to kind of like look into those as well, but like, there's. There's even like there's like a fish hatchery that gets added down the road and like you can grow rice, like manage crops like there's just they just they keep adding and there's only three chapters available in early access. But like I found that like they just had a lot of these different mechanics that you could manage as you go, which just kind of like I felt like as I was mastering something, they were like saying, okay, now that you got that now here's another element that you can look at to kind of you know mix up the gameplay as opposed to just constantly diving collecting the same fish doing the same restaurant stuff rinse repeat
1: yeah i was wondering how you finish the game with all these mechanics but it makes sense that well they just haven't made more for you to get through yet because it's there's you've talked about a lot of different things to do already that all sound like they're pretty fleshed out
0: yeah yeah like they there are like it's an interesting approach to early access because i feel like what they've done is they've um they've given you the first three chapters i don't know how many chapters are going to be in 1.0 but it feels like they've kind of been really working on honing the the early game mechanics that then get expanded upon throughout the rest of the game so for example the the fish hatchery that I mentioned, like there's only like three of the nine sort of hatcheries that are available, you know, and there's only so many upgrades you can get. And the crop area, it just unlocked and you just know like there's going to be some additional, you know, money sinks and stuff there. So if you've got like a good hired team, they're well trained, just you're not you're not going to be able to hold on to your gold because you're going to be spending it on, you know, other stuff, weapon upgrades you know, crop upgrades, uh, hatchery, that sort of thing. So like they've really done a great job with early access to really focus in on like the early game side of those mechanics. But I feel like when 1.0 launches and the game progresses, like what they'll do is they'll just continue to refine and upgrade those, those existing mechanics. And I'm sure they'll throw in a couple more as we go. Like, I feel like with the restaurant side of it, the the dishes, like you getting new dishes is really just a way of you getting more money and using more, uh, I guess, uh, resources that you find deeper in the ocean, but like doesn't change what you do with that food. Like you still grab it, serve it to the customer and, and that's it. So like, I assume what yeah. they'll do is they'll add additional like stuff for you to do during the restaurant phase as you're serving customers. So
1: Yeah, because right now it seems like it's just on the usual incremental path of like get better ingredients, make better food, make more money from the food. But the the actions are the same. It's just incremental upgrading, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So they've they've done a really good job at like setting that that baseline. But it's also nice that like sometimes when you play an early access game, like, like they develop it from st- like uh, early access to launch and you have access to all that content. So it kind of spoils the game a little bit, but I really felt like with Dave the Diver, if you were to buy it today, you could play those first three chapters but then feel like in June that you're not missing anything by continuing to play the game at 1.0 heading right into chapter 4. Um and they they do a really good job of uh when you get to the end of early access, it's basically you're having a conversation with another character and the character is like, look, we could do this thing that you work towards, but um, we're not ready yet. Uh, But I think like what you humans say is like, check out my discord and then uh, we'll talk about what that will what that will entail. So essentially saying like, this is the end of early access. If you want to learn more and engage with the community, go to our discord server (laughs) And I thought that was like a really fun way of like tying in the end of early access, like directly into the game, as opposed to just having like a like a splash screen that just says, hey, more is coming soon type thing. So um, they have a lot of fun with it. It is it is a really fun game, plays really well on Steam Deck. Like it's it's verified for Steam Deck, so you can have no problems with it. And it is a very laid back experience that is um, a lot of fun. There are sharks in it, though. So if you're not a fan of sharks, there are sharks uh, and they are very mean. <laughs> they'll come. They'll come after you, but you don't die. You just run out of oxygen and uh, you magically teleport to your boat. It's fine. Just like real life. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But not like Sea of Thieves where you you, you <laughs> those sharks eat you and then you're basically like you're on the ghost ship it's a it's a little more more cartoony than that so but i i I do recommend it i have had a lot of fun with it and i'm looking forward to uh the one point of launch and i'll and i'll certainly talk about it on the show when it launches in june because i'll be uh, i'll be heading back to it once once there's more content
1: yeah the reviews on steam are extremely extremely positive here i've added to my wish list i'm definitely going to
0: check it out yeah definitely uh well you know what let's head into the last little segment of games here We've got the Switch Indies section where you've got uh, you've got like you've got some you've got some good ones here, and some of which I haven't played yet. So I'm looking forward to hearing about these. So uh, Wild Frost, this one's popped up a lot, and I, is this this is also in line with the uh, your card obsession, right?
1: Yes. So okay, this category is games I played on the plane last week. That nice. is what this category is. So Wild Frost, have a nice Death Dredge, Sports story. I'll Go through them. Uh, A little bit, but the first two are kind of grouped together. Wild Frost is a Slay the Spire-like. It's it's card-based roguelike. uh, And Have a Nice Death is a Dead Cells-like, more than anything. Side-scrolling, grindy uh, roguelike as well. uh, With mild roguelike progression, but no, you need to get better at this game. Both of these games, the difficulty curve came in really, really hot. I play a lot of roguelikes. A lot of roguelikes. I play a lot of card games play a lot of side-scrolling roguelikes. Both of these, I have not beaten the second area. Uh, I think in Have a Nice Death, I might have beaten the second boss once. Uh, So they're both, I like the polish here a lot. I like what the games want to do, but also I wanted to have more fun with them than I did because it made me feel like I had to grind so hard or get so good in order to get further in these games to a point where I uh, I felt powerful. I never really felt powerful in any of these games, or if I did, then I just faced one fight where it didn't work and I just died out of nowhere. So both of them have balance patches that are coming through on at least the PC versions that will probably make it to Switch, where things just get tuned a little differently. Both of these games had early access, and this is something that it isn't always a trap of early access, but sometimes it is, where when you build a small dedicated community of early access, then you keep adding things the people that are testing it are the people that are already are good at your game. And then you get into full release and a new audience tries it. And it's like, Oh wow, this is tough. Whereas the people that had played for a lot, a lot of hours had already figured it out because it's just an, a different kind of experience. So I don't know for sure if that's what happens, but it sure feels like it. And both these games are getting pulled back a little bit. So they're on my two watch list, uh, but neither of them got a ton of my time just because I felt myself hit the wall pretty hard and I bounced off of it. Uh, now, I do think there's something here for both games. Have a nice death. I gave a few extra runs and, like, really love the controls. When you talk about responsive controls, it's really, really fun to play until you get hit and take a huge chunk of your life and your healing sucks and then you die. So those are the things that I that I wanted to bring up with these specifically because I know the games are good, but my experience playing with them was pretty mixed.
0: Yeah, the, the art style for... Uh, have a nice death looks really cool. Like I love the it look is. of it.
1: It is. It's really well made. It's a really well made game. I wanted to really enjoy my time with it. I had a good time controlling it. The power ups are cool. I made some good builds. It just the frustration ramped up faster than the joy did uh so it was just there was a point where they intersected and the frustration kept going at a higher rate so i put it down for now until it gets tuned a little bit more same with wild frost the the art style in there is very cheery and really fun and the polish is there and the mechanics and how everything interacts the sound in particular uh but i can't recommend either one yet unless you really like super grindy games
0: right yeah i mean they uh they do look cool i'll I'll definitely add them to my wish list because i honestly like I'm not great at card games, but I do love a good, uh, side scrolling roguelite, like, uh, like have a nice death. It, it it definitely looked cool. And that's one that's been around for a bit. I remember seeing a trailer for it years ago when they announced it and the art style alone. Now that being said, like art style isn't, you know, everything like I've never, (laughs) I've never played cuphead looks fantastic, but looks, I've just heard of super hard. And I'm like, yeah, I, 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 it's not my it's probably not my cup of tea. Uh, but uh the Netflix show, really cool. So, you know, um maybe they'll have a Netflix show that's a little bit easier to play. Uh, but um yeah, I'll I'll keep an eye on it. Have a nice death. It looks so cool. I'm trying to like think of like the style, like kind of looks like an old school cartoon, similar to what Cuphead did with like old school cartoons, but it just it feels like it's not that far removed from from like uh, I'm trying to place the style, but it just it has it's
1: like Invader Zim, I think. Right, is the closest I can think of. Uh, like the or the Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Lab era.
0: Right, like yes.
1: it's the the Dexter's Lab era, the the Cartoon Network Toonami era, definitely yeah. is what's being evoked here, uh, and. The art is great. I really like the sound and the music, and I think it's very well designed. The only complaint I have is significant enough for me to mention it as a caveat, That because I kept trying it, and I really enjoyed until I really didn't. But when this game is balanced to the point where it feels like my defensive abilities get stronger the same rate my offensive ones do, and I don't have to just constantly grind to feel like I have a chance, I'm going to play the hell out of this game. And I already played a good bit. But I right now, I would say you'll want to play this in the future. But right now, the only people that want to play this right now are the people that hear my advice and say, no, I'm going to do it anyway.
0: Okay. well, that's uh, that's good. That's really good advice. Uh, I think that um, I think it's one to look at. And as you said, it was an early access, but is now out on Switch and and PC and other other platforms, perhaps. Now, you also played Dredge. Uh, This is one that I talked about a couple of love
1: Dredge. Yeah, loved it. It's if Animal Crossing was directed by David Lynch, like it's so it's so like the vibes are immaculate. It's so weird and off putting, but in a really like the kind of way that I'm looking to be off put. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's I mean, you played it It, like you you're in you're in your fishing phase. That's where you
0: are. Yeah. These past couple months I've been, I, I really don't fish. uh, I really don't like the open sea, but um, it's what I've been doing (laughs) in my, in my video games. Living through that. Uh, I think we were, I think in the discord we were talking about fears and I was like, yeah, like very deep water. And uh, well, both Dave the diver and dredge have very deep water uh, and some very dangerous things in them. But yeah, Dredge is like one of those ones where and I was trying to explain this. I know when Joss and I were talking about it, like it feels relaxing. But like the fact that I with all the other stuff we've explained, like you might think I'm crazy to say it's relaxing, but it's like it feels relaxing until it's not. And it's usually because a monster is snuck up on you uh, or you didn't realize it was so late and you're far away from your home and you're going to have to like rush back while slowly going mad. But it was relaxing right up to that point as you were just fishing and minding your own business, right? Collecting your crab pots and, you know, playing a little bit of Tetris with your inventory. (laughs) Uh, But it's, you're right. It's off-putting in a way that is like, it's, you're curious is like, okay, what's going to happen next? Because you have no idea what you're going to come across. It it had that same vibe as like Darkest Dungeon, where, you know, what... What shit am I going to come across next that is like kind of unsettling, but also like you're curious as to what's going to happen next, you know?
1: Yeah. Or Cult of the Lamb to yeah. a degree, um, like very much in the, you know, it's in the Lovecraftian horror of just unsettling, unspeakable monstrosities that are hard to put into words. And Dredge, like a lot of the flavor and the vibe is done super well by the writing. It's really well written and the descriptions on some of the aberrant fish are like really they're well done because they are they creep me out. Mm-hmm. So I had a great time with the game, loved the story loved, like it was really enjoyable it was just long enough, It's what like 10-ish hours, maybe a little bit more Um, I think I would have gotten tired of the fishing mechanics if I did more of that, but it is relaxing in a sense that outside of one very specific exception of a questline that, you know, I won't spoil it, but there's one questline that's timed where when you start talking to people, you may or may not realize it, but if you don't do what they ask, then they go away. It's not required for anything. It's not even required for 100 of the game. The achievement accounts for it, but it, it was a little unpleasant. Um, but outside of that, nothing is time-gated. So even though you have to do certain things at certain points... The stakes remain relatively low from a gameplay mechanic standpoint because whenever you want, whenever you get stressed out, you just go back to port and rest to the daytime and you go do exactly what you want to do for however long you want to do it. You can go back and rest anytime and there's never any consequence for it. And I think that's a really good gameplay decision because the story is what escalates the stakes. The player is naturally compelled to do what the game is telling you to do. But if you feel overwhelmed, you can always pull it back to your terms. I think that's for the best for this kind of game.
0: Yeah. Yeah agreed like they give you that control to 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 take a step back and like you know what i'm just gonna stay close to home when it gets close to dark i'll just go back to you know home port rest up reset you know like i i found when i was getting into a mode of like i really wanted to upgrade my uh, my ship's abilities so i'd have more cargo more ability to go to go faster um the game really supported that. You know, I like it didn't, There's no ticking clock. Like I think the dude that you're trying to, that you're doing all the main quests for, like he's obviously unhappy that you're not going at a pace that, that he wants everything done right away. But like, there's no, there's no background clock. That's like, okay, if it takes him more than 10 hours, let's start, let's start punishing the player. There's no, there's no punishment. Like you can kind of just, if you want, you can focus on upgrading your boat. And that's what I did for like a good couple hours, you know, like I I was just farming, you know, material because I wanted to wanted to do some upgrades. So it uh it was really cool that way. And I was really surprised to see. I didn't know they were gonna do this, but they're adding more content. So there's gonna have um I think it's oh, wow. more cosmetic stuff, but then there's like a uh, like a piece of DLC that I think is gonna be out uh later this year, and it's um it's gonna be more More content. I know they just announced it, actually. So there's a roadmap. Everyone's got roadmaps these days. Uh, Oh, man, this would have been nice. Uh, The first piece of (laughs) update is uh, map markers. So that would have been good. I could have. Oh, man,
1: that (laughs) would be nice. Yeah. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah. I I was writing things down on my phone. Like just take notes of map coordinates. Markers would be so, so great.
0: Yeah. So they got uh, map markers and then also in Q2 photo mode and wildlife. So maybe you'll be able to stop the boat okay. and take a picture of a seagull. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to use it, but I'm glad they're doing it. Yeah. Someone photo mode's like all, all the rage. Uh, and then boat paint. That's uh, that's one of the... You'll be able to paint your boat, which is cool. Okay. Yeah. And uh, obviously I'm simplifying. There's a huge uh, sort of post that they did but uh, q4 paid dlc which uh, appears to have some sort of like oil rig so it, it could be like a whole new sort of area it's called Ironhaven. so uh optional dlc featuring the mysterious iron haven corporation so that sounds really cool like i'm stoked that they're adding more content because i like you like 10 hours feel felt like a really good time with it like you you I was able to finish it without getting sort of overburdened by by the mechanics because like you do hit a wall with the mechanics. They they you, you unlock all the type different type of sort of fishing gear and and you know, you upgrade your boat to the nines and and uh, and it kind of wraps up right around there. Like they, they timed it really well. So like an additional scenario with with a different area and and, and possibly different mechanics like that sounds really good to me. So Q4 have that to look forward to. Um, and then Sports Story. This is another one that I have heard a lot about, but have never played, and I hear really good things.
1: Well, okay, hold on. Have you played Golf Story?
0: No. Maybe that's the one I've heard a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff about. And this is so the Sports follow-up, Sports Story is right? the
1: sequel. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So Golf Story, really great um, golfing RPG, really funny and golfing is a core mechanic of the game, but there are like lots of little overworld puzzles. It's this, if Super Mario RPG was about golf, right? Like that level of polish and humor and fun, really, really great game on the switch strongly recommended. If any of this sounds even remotely appealing, like it is not you're on like it's not PGA tour simulator where you're on a driving range. You just hit the ball. You just play golf. You go around in all sorts of wacky scenarios and it gets real. Like the writing's really great. And it's very funny strongly recommend it sports story is the sequel and it is my current leading biggest disappointment of 2023 uh, it is unfortunately it just you can tell they put this dev room in the game the secret dev room that they've patched a few times where basically the devs are just fighting with each other about how the game went and it seems like a really harsh view into the reality of the development. There was clearly a ton of feature creep. They kept adding things but not finishing them, and then they had to ship the game, I guess. So it feels really unfinished, really poorly executed. It does not run well. Uh, it is an enormous disappointment. But I am using this opportunity to not only share that, you know, hopefully they fix it. I don't know if it's fixable at this point. Like, it's it's so... The amount of refinement they'd have to do post-patch is is probably not worth it. But if you are hearing this, and you have never played Golf Story... Go get that. That's worth your time. And if you are hearing this and you have played Golf Story and you were going to get Sports Story, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but just don't buy this and go play Golf Story again. You'll be happier.
0: Okay. That's a pretty good PSA. I have not played Golf Story, so I guess I will go play Golf Story. Is it Switch only or is it on PC as well?
1: I think it is a Switch exclusive. Let me see. Yeah, like I tried to find it and usually- yes, Switch
0: exclusives. Okay, yeah. So, switch exclusive, and um, it like it kind of. I remember when it was coming out, people were like comparing it to. So there was this one. So Nintendo has this problem where sometimes their their developers will build like a really great game on top of what Nintendo's maybe a- asked them to do. So, for example, like Mario Golf. Uh, usually, the the sports games that Mario is in is basically like it's an arcade sports game. Nothing else, but but there was a um, Mario golf game on the game boy color and it had like a campaign to it, which was like an RPG golf game. Uh, And I think this, the idea was like a lot of people were comparing golf story um, to the idea of making a really cool super Mario golf RPG. So that when you, when you know, when you mentioned like Mario RPG, but with golf, it's like, it it sounds really cool. So like, I, I remember people making those comparisons and, uh, it's really hard to, to, to look up golf story. You get a lot of like stories about golf, not the game, but yes. uh, uh, they got to work on their SEO, but I suppose the game's been out for six years, so maybe they're fine, but um, it, uh, it, I have not played it. I guess I have to add it to my Switch list and uh, get around to that. But uh, don't play Sports Story. Did, did they just try, like you said, they just tried to do too much? Like How many sports did they incorporate into this sequel?
1: A double digit number. It's it's a lot. It's a different. Really? Because they intended for you to just like switch to different sports based the way you switch different weapons in an RPG. But it just oh. everything is half baked. It doesn't quite work. And a lot of it is just unfinished.
0: Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, play golf story, not sports story. Uh, that is going to wrap up our, what we're playing segment. Uh, but we do have a little bit more, uh, show to go as we go into the news. But before we do that, I want to thank our lovely patrons over at patreon.com slash the in where you can go to support the show directly like our April patron did. I know it's not April, but I wanted to give a final shout out to deadly pants specifically for the cool username there. And a new shout-out to our May patron, Tyson. And you know what? Let's go a bit further into the future when Diablo 4 is here and some other June games. But our June patron, Spin, who I also saw jump into the Discord as well. So thank you so much for supporting The Gamers Inn directly at patreon.com slash thegamersin. Now, Hat, uh, I knew this story was for you because I saw Vampire Survivors and television series. So they're going to be making a TV show. This is a deadline article. I had to double check that this wasn't like a late April fools, but they're going to make a TV series about vampire survivors. And you and I both found out today that there's like an official synopsis of what's going on in the game. <laughs> I had no idea.
1: So when I, when I heard about this, this game, I was like, what is the story in vampire survivors? So, so, I mean, I'm really glad for Ponkel that they're getting paid for their incredibly high value game. That's really, really fun. And I enjoy, but of all the properties that I expected to turn into a media anything, this was not on my list. like, whatever, make whatever movies you want, but this was not on my list.
0: Yeah. It was a bit of a surprise to me too, because, um, you know, it, like when they made cuphead into a tv show like a cartoon for for kids essentially uh, on netflix i felt like okay that that makes sense cuz you're taking even though there's no story outside of like good guys are good and they fight bad guy cartoons you know um and i like that made sense like you could you could put that into a show but like there is it's really tough to kind of envision like a vampire survivors cartoon like a like an, it'll be an animated it's an animated show like it's not it's not live action as far as i know they've yeah animated television series like the idea there is like is it is it just castlevania <laughs> like are they going to incorporate some of the uniqueness of of the game like is it going to be hundreds of enemies you know fighting the main character or is just you are the bullet hell type scenario. Like how, how do you adapt that without just making it Castlevania, you know, which, or as they sort of compare it to in this article, Vox Machina, you know, like taking two recently done animated adaptations and basically being like, that's what it's gonna, gonna be like. But like, I just, I don't know. Outside of like having like, oh, that guy looks like, you know, the main character and that guy looks like the character from the DLC. Like how else, like what else do you adapt here? You know,
1: I have no clue, but I'm sure they'll figure it out. And also I think perhaps the silver lining here is that there's no, there's no risk of pissing off the fans of saying that's not the real story because what do you have to work with here? You can do whatever you want. As long as, as long as there are two things, right? Vampires and surviving. You get those two down. Everything else, you can do what you want. So the execs can explore this. The, the writers can get creative. They can build their own story out of a very loose concept as long as they get some of the details right. But I, I, I don't know. I don't feel like there are too many problems potentially here of not being close enough to the source material because the source material is so light on lore that there's just nothing to really conflict with.
0: Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Like, they can have some fun with it. It sounds like the, uh, as you said, the developers at uh, Ponkel are, are, are involved. Um, and if anything, this article serves to... to. Uh, I'll just give people a taste. You should definitely go read the article. But uh, we, f- we both found out that the game is set in uh, rural Italy in the year 2021. That's what this article huh. says. So... There's that. We've all learned something today. Uh, other stuff here. You know what? We'll just quickly mention this because uh, we talked about a pre-show, but uh, PlayStation productions, keeping with the TV and adaptation sort of trend. Uh, it feels like we're going to get a couple of, uh, I'll, I'll say it like uh, a couple of the, the lower, not lower. Uh, I don't want to say low quality, but like we're getting, we're getting the non uncharted, non last of us, Sort of IP translations with uh, Twisted Metal. We got two trailers. I should be nicer. We got two trailers. We got Twisted Metal, uh, which is going to be a Peacock series in July, and we also got a trailer for Gran Turismo, which is going to be a movie in August. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to watch these uh, these trailers, hat, but like, there's some there's some feels going on. I, uh, specifically with the Twisted Metal one, it feels a little like. Um, I mean, I don't know, I haven't watched the original programming on Peacock, but it kind of feels like one of those, those, uh, those. Uh, I don't even want to say budget, like it just it doesn't feel like it has the made same Made for like, TV, right? Yeah, like, but it but it literally has that that old school feel of made for TV, you know? Um,
1: yeah, the only thing on Peacock that I watch is Poker Face because Poker Face is amazing, um, which is a modern retelling and adaptation of the Columbo formula. So I know you <laughs> okay. have, you have a lot of mystery homework to catch up on, but Natasha Leone is amazing. The show is really really great. Um, but yeah, it's Twisted Metal looks like someone grabbed a couple of stars, and Will Arnett voices Sweet Tooth, but doesn't actually play Sweet Tooth. And so you see someone that you know is not Will Arnett speak in Will Arnett's voice. It's really weird. It's just strange, a strange little off putting. Gran Turismo, like I'm not a big Gran Turismo person. On the consoles, but I recognize that it is clearly popular and has a huge appeal and some people just like driving and it looks pretty Uh, like in the Gran Turismo series been around forever, huge, huge deal. It's I most of the gaming spaces I'm in. People talk about games all the time and, and just straight up driving games don't come up very much, but I know there's a user base for them because they've made like 19 of them. So the movie looks like some really cool driving. I guess. Yeah. That at least has a budget behind it, but also it it's the movie of a game where the plot is that it's driving with good graphics.
0: <laughs> I also don't like the idea of David Harbour yelling at gamers, you know, and 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 belittling uh gamer. Like it feels like that's going to be a big part of that film which I it they it is based on a true story about a competition where uh you know, um uh, a gamer wanted to be a racer played Grand Turismo a lot. Oh yeah. That did actually happen. Right. Like it's yeah. a real thing. Yeah. And I mean, I can understand like the, the film, I can understand that the film is going to portray like the fact that this, this gamer won a competition and is now racing alongside people who have trained their entire lives and have been are professional, as they say, athletes, professional racers. And like, they can display that dynamic. I, that dynamic makes sense. So like I get all that um but it, it like it's an interesting story does it expand and and probably does expand out to a movie just because as you said like you can you can incorporate the racing aspect of it which is um when tailored to like an hour and a half movie you can make you know really action packed and and uh, uh interesting like I don't I'm not a I'm not a racing fan but I I watched that trailer and I thought like okay There's something here that I can see why they bumped it up to the movie treatment to kind of have like those you know high octane races and and with a cinematic flair. But um, Twisted Metal seems like kind of a deep cut at this point because there really hasn't been like a Twisted Metal in like quite a while. I'm trying to remember the last one. It was definitely like was it PS2 or did they have like a remaster on PS4? Um, But it's been a while.
1: The the last relevant. Twisted Metal was Twisted Metal Black, I think. That was the last one that I remember being a big deal. That was on the PS2 in 2001. I'm looking at the wiki now. Uh, There was a Twisted Metal in 2012 on the PS3, and that is the most recent.
0: Right. They kind of, like, tried to reboot it. Yeah, I... um, Not being a PlayStation gamer, I remember Twisted Metal, like, that era. Like, it was just... It was a game that I saw being played... Like at my cousin's place because they had the PlayStation and I was like, "What's that?" Because I was a Nintendo, I had Nintendo consoles, so like there was, there were racing games, but they certainly didn't have like you know maniacal clowns and rocket launchers. Uh, So smart.
1: Mario Kart. you might have gotten a crappy N64 port of *Cruising USA*.
0: (laughs) I did, and it wasn't crappy. It was great, good sir. (laughs) No, it probably was bad.
1: I enjoyed playing it but it was the N64 arcade ports were always a little questionable. I played it too. I had my N64, don't get me wrong.
0: Exactly. No, and that's the thing. Like I, where I grew up, we didn't really, we don't, we didn't have arcades. But, you know, the occasional time you did see an arcade, you were like, what? What is happening here? And how are these, how are these graphics so great? You know, this is not the cruise in USA made of a bunch of like maybe four or five triangles. This is, this is the real deal. Um, I, I like the idea of, Like I get, I just get the sense from Twisted Metal that it's like, let's take all of our IPs and shop them out to the specific, like whatever streamer can afford it. So like Peacock, everyone's looking for content, you know. And I and I think everybody is going to basically have like a Sony PlayStation Productions IP on their platform, you know. Like this is just the Peacock IP that they that they got you know and the, and and then you have the HBO side of it that goes for the last of us and then you have the the big budget theater experiences like uncharted and i guess Gran turismo but it it really feels like they're taking the shotgun approach to this whole productions uh, adaptation i don't know how i feel about it uh i mean like i'm fine i'm fine with there being more adaptations of video games but i i just i'm curious is this twisted metal thing going to just be like a like come out and and fade or is it going to be one of those ones where they, you know, like the Mar the original Mario movie from 93 where it's like, Oh man, we got to go back. You know, this is going to set adaptations, but I don't know. Like the teaser trailer was just so minimal. Maybe, maybe that's just it. It was like not a great teaser trailer.
1: Yeah, though. I think we're past the point of a single mediocre adaptation, stopping executives from making more adaptations with the Mario movie. Like that was early on and Nintendo didn't know what they were doing in the movie space yet. Um, they did better with their more recent one. And as it, this is not a commentary in the movie's quality, it's a commentary in the movie's box office receipts, which were substantial. They did just fine. So uh, I, I, this just looks like the next wave of things after comic book movies is video game stuff. Comic books are starting to wear off, right? We've been doing Iron Man and Dark Knight and whatever, we're 2008. We're wearing off. It's okay. We're kind of we're moving past that stuff. So now we have to start looking for the next well of content to mine. Video games are where it's at. I am surprised that Twisted Metal is where we landed this early on, but I, you know they pulled it out of the vault and they're going to make money off something that hasn't had a game in 11 years. Okay. Try it out.
0: Yeah. I mean, if Peacock's picking up the bill, might as well go with that. Um, well, you know what? I'd, I'd say let's end on some good news. Not that that PlayStation Productions was bad news. But uh, let's end on some bad news. Uh, Redfall, not doing so mm. hot on any social media platform, let alone the platforms that launched on Xbox and PC. Uh, yeah, where do you want to start with this? Because, like, honestly, it's uh, it's a bit disappointing.
1: So what have you seen? What have you heard so far? Because I don't believe either of us have played this.
0: Yeah, that's uh, but, that's a good point. Um i am not yeah, played but there it.
1: There is a lot floating around there.
0: Yeah, like what I've seen is uh obviously like a lot of the internet latching on to the fact that this is launching in a in a very poor state, um not just on PC but but uh but also on console and as a first party title, because they are owned by Microsoft Arcane, um, it can be a bit shocking. You know when a first-party title launches in in that kind of uh, that kind of state. Now it di- it did just launch, I think, just late last night slash today, as of this recording. Um, I don't know if there's been any like reactions from the company to like they must have known, but uh, like a lot of bugs, you know, a lot of AI issues. But then there's some like deeper stuff that you read in the reviews that is just you know there's some uninteresting parts of the gameplay, like it's not the arcane. Style shooter, like coming off of death loop it just it I guess it just didn't feel like the like the the arcane shooter that was kind of promised right, um but yeah, I have not played it yet i like I don't know if I am going to play it at this stage, I might wait until there's you know there's there's no harm in saying that I think this game could be great down the road. I think Microsoft is certainly um. Like fixing up Halo Infinite, uh, Sea of Thieves, that sort of stuff. So like it's not impossible, but it's it's just it's very it's a it's very disappointing, you know, when a first party title comes out like this and it's it's highly anticipated It was already delayed, I think, a year. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's a little alarming as well, because, I mean, Microsoft Xbox hasn't had like a first party title, like kind of, uh, you know, make a big splash like I guess Sony has had over their last couple, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, Sony is a bigger company and they know exclusives. They really, really know exclusives. It's what the most recent big Sony exclusive is Ragnarok, right? Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good game.
0: I think Ragnarok is a great example. Uh, even, you know, horizon forbidden West with its DLC that just launched like a Uh, really solid edition. Uh, you, you're absolutely right. Like, I think if you look at Nintendo, knowing their audience as well as their IP and and being able to craft not only great single player adventures, but but just awesome new experiences with those IPs and just seeming to have like a, a, a limitless amount of creativity and and Sony, you're right, just like they know how to make big blockbuster games for their platform. And I. I, I, I see that argument, but then I think to myself uh, as Micro like, I don't know what's going on at Microsoft. I, I, I really don't because honestly, they're, they're kind of struggling right now, similar to how Nintendo was with the Wii U. It, it, but with that, it came down to like a, like a pipeline issue, but it's really hard to believe that Microsoft has a pipeline issue when they keep snapping up these studios and they're just, the games aren't coming out, you know? And, and when they are like, they're, they're they're having releases like this like i i i don't even like i guess we were talking in discord i guess forza horizon was probably the last one that kind of came out and and didn't have any issues it was well received it was a lot of fun it was a great game but like that was 2020 maybe no and like I think it was
1: 21 yeah. Psychonauts 2, which is not a triple A game, but like it's obviously awesome. That was 21 and then yeah, that means it's been a couple of years. But you don't buy studios if you if your pipeline is fine. You can, but usually buy studios if you need to make up the lost ground. But so let's let's plot out a timeline here. So in uh, Deathloop is Arcane's most recent game, came out in September 21. Just uh, just under 2 years ago. So Arcane had only put out uh, not that many games. Prey, Dishonored, uh, Deathloop were their big ones. Uh, I think Dishonored 1 and 2. So when they released Deathloop in September, they had, the parent corporation had been bought by Microsoft in March of that year. They released in September, and then the design, the studio head of Arcane, who had been there for 17 years, left the month after Deathloop was done. I have to imagine it was just to finish that game and then get out of Microsoft's way uh, or to not be involved with it. And then 20 months later, they ship this huge, ambitious, always online, single player co-op RPG thing, Redfall, which is different from the vibe they've done as a vampire game, different from the vibe of all the other games they've done, much, much shorter turnaround and without their most experienced studio head. It doesn't take too much work to start looking at executive pressure without the experienced studio leadership to get in the way of it, leading to an unfinished game. And if you're talking about a a large company like Microsoft that has pipeline problems and a bunch of unfinished games, it's like they're buying a bunch of studios because they don't have any games. They're pushing them to release the games faster, and the games aren't very good so that they don't have as many sales, so then they buy more studios. It feels like it's not too hard to see how this loop keeps going and going and going. And that seems pretty clearly what happened with Redfall, that a lot of things are just half baked or undone. And maybe this would be a good game in the future, but I have to imagine the people working on this game wanted more time to polish it. People don't make games just to make money. No one works in the games industry for the money. They work in the games industry to make cool games that people like. And if you see someone shipping a game like this that just isn't done, you can't imagine the designers are thrilled with the experience people are having right now. And you have to imagine they knew and they just didn't have power over it. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like whenever something like this happens, I, I think you and I've been around playing games long enough to realize like no one, no one is out there to make a bad game. No one wants to release a bad game and and no one wants their players to play a bad game. Like I think around the table, like everyone wants a great experience Um, and someone, I mean, you know, like, and it goes, it probably goes right to the top. Like at the end of the day, uh, Phil Spencer, who is the head of Xbox probably had to make the final call as to when this comes out. And, and really I, I see the reaction to this and you're right. Like they knew they must've known, but someone had to make the judgment call of like, do we, do we release this now? Or do we give it another year when they had already kind of delay it's hard to believe that that they they had delayed it i wonder what shape it was in last year when they had originally delayed it but um it just it seems like microsoft is making you know smart one step forward two steps back sometimes with with some of their decisions and you know they've they've tried like one year it was like okay let's announce all of our best ips coming back halo perfect dark fable a new RPG from um, uh, Obsidian. Also let's have Obsidian announce uh, a sequel to, to uh, the, what's that? Uh, Outer, Outer Worlds. Yeah. Oh, you Outer
1: know. Wilds or Outer Worlds. It's, it the it's good one of those one Or two. Was it the Bethesda one?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, oh yeah. And as you said, Bethesda, like Starfields, the uh, Bethesda one, like it. And then the year after that, like, oh, well, we got criticized for announcing too many games with no release dates. Let's let's just focus on stuff coming out, you know, within the next twelve months. And they did that. And and Redfall was one of them. And and you know, and they're not afraid to push games out of that window because Starfield got pushed to September. But I guess like the point I'm trying to make is like they I it almost feels like they can't pick what they want. Like do they want to like build all these big epic experiences that take a lot of time or do they want content for their, for their system? Obviously the Xbox has plenty of content because it's being supported by third parties. But in the idea of like, which box do you buy? It comes down to the exclusives because a lot of the games that you can play on your Xbox are available on the PlayStation uh, or your PC for that matter. So I, I, As someone who enjoys the Xbox experience, it is unfortunate to hear that Redfall uh, is not living up to those expectations. Um, I really enjoy Game Pass. That should come as no surprise to our listeners. But uh, I am still rooting for like an Xbox hit. And I just, it feels like it's been a while since we've had like a big first party release. Because that's what it comes down to it for me. Like I really love the first party you know, titles, you know, that's, those are my, those are my favorites. And the next one I'm looking forward to, I guess at this point is Starfield. I do want to see what that game is like. I'm excited to play another, you know, Bethesda RPG. And it's probably worth noting that like Arcane is, I believe like a, like a, it's a two studio or a two development team studio.
1: Yeah. They have Leon and Austin, I think.
0: Yeah. So this is the, I think this is the Austin team. Uh, So it's not, it, I think Leon was the uh, was the Death Loop, right? Okay, I could be wrong. Uh, one of those two. I think it's a different team, though. So obviously, like I think I think Redfall's been been in development. So yeah, so Redfall is development by Arcane Austin, and I, I think Death Loop was uh, yeah, and Death Loop was Arcane Leon, so or Lion. Uh, okay. So that
1: makes a lot more sense then.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they were definitely developed in tandem, but you know, it it is kind of funny with you look at the whole conversation about Microsoft purchasing Activision Blizzard and, and Sony and stuff and like the last two titles that Bethesda developed and shipped were exclusive to the PlayStation for a year uh, before they came to Xbox but those, those launched in you know good shape uh, I, I actually um, was playing a little bit of Ghostwire Tokyo uh, we're going to talk about it next week when, when Travis is on it, it's a fun game It it plays really cool, so and I know Jocelyn talked about it uh, like a pretty much a year ago. She bought it on PlayStation, so it's just it's unfortunate and it's almost like comically bumbling for Microsoft to to have these these great games come out of that acquisition. And the first one that is exclusive that you know was in the news about being clawed away from PlayStation gamers is just is not landing right. It's not releasing in a in a solid state and of course like i'm sure reddit's all over it with conspiracy theories and stuff but like i think it's just someone decided that they that this needed to be needed to get out the door and i mean it yeah it brings back that conversation of like you know they know so launch it in launch it with the early access tag you know i i I don't like i think it would take a lot of the sting away it would you would still have some of these reviews talking about how it the game is is not great, but like I don't think it's like I, I know there's some marketing issues, with, with as long as they're committed to, you know, uh, working on it, I think launching it in early access and saying, hey, we, we this game needs more time, but we wanted to get it out. We're launching it in early access. You can check it out on Game Pass like they have all those tools to soften the blow for both their their players and their developers, but they chose not to go there. They like Xbox Twitter's been hitting it all day. Like, hey, you playing Redfall? Here's another GIF. <laughs> you know? Not the GIFs that you're seeing on Reddit, the GIFs that we've prepared. You know, uh it just seems I'm sure there are other issues with doing what I what I've suggested, obviously. Uh no strategy is perfect, but I have not played the game. I I I, I, I was going to check it out. I feel like now I, I guess I should since we've been talking about it, but like it's, it's.
1: on Game Pass. Yeah. Try it out. But it's, it's $70, $70 to buy. Like, I don't know what kind of early access you could ship here. It reminds me, it's not quite as extreme, but it reminds me a lot of the cyberpunk backlash. Like, just finish your damn game. feels like that's not too hard to do. And just tell people if you're delaying it instead of this because this has not gone well for anybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're 100% right. Yeah, I think the idea here was they should have they should have delayed it. Um I I think that uh I think what was the other Yeah. I I I, I agree. They should have delayed it. But uh you know, um if there's any further news from Microsoft uh, in terms of Redfall like I said it just came out, so I I don't think there's been any response. Um to it like uh, it's only been
1: a day they they gotta see exactly they gotta assess the the impact here figure out exactly what's going on and then figure out exactly what's next what they're going to do about it um but you know you know that they had meetings about this all day oh
0: you know for sure
1: we'll hear something by the end of the week i'm certain well i i bet that pr teams are working on a statement already
0: yeah i mean it's just uh like i said if you have a if you have a You know, Phil Spencer is um, someone who we've been following in the industry for quite a while. I really enjoy all of his interviews. And I feel like if he were to, you know, if there was still the giant bomb we had uh, during E3's previous and Phil Spencer was on the couch and Jeff Gerstmann was going to ask him a question, one of those was going to be Redfall and Gerstmann was going to be very straight with him. And hopefully and Phil Spencer would know he's going to ask that question. But like, uh, of course, that we haven't gotten that in, in a while. But I... I just, I wonder how they, I wonder how they approach it. Cause again, like, you know, E3 is in a month. That's their big show. They've announced that they're going to have a Starfield direct. Like there are going to be questions, I guess. Well, E3 is not in a month. Oh yes, you're right. <laughs> the season, the season of gaming, the summer of gaming, right. what are what are they calling it? Yeah, you're right. E3 is dead. E3 is not happening.
1: Uh, summer Game Fest is yeah. that, yeah, it's it, Jeff Keighley has, is standing over the course of E3 with with, uh, with blood in his hands hoisting the microphone jeff Keighley will talk to us in a month on june 9th i think was well no june 8th uh it will be streaming live
0: yeah but i feel like uh, i feel like jeff Keighley isn't going to rock the boat unless he's like being asked to ask uh, konami tough questions <laughs> you know i don't think he's going to ask Microsoft. probably
1: he won't he won't rock the boat the same way um, though I have to imagine there's got to be some platform where someone can talk to the Xbox folks and be like, hey, what happened? Because mm. a lot of people want to know what happened. We'll we'll hear it from someone somewhere.
0: Somewhere, somehow. Well, that's going to do it for our episode this week. Uh, we mentioned the Discord a bunch. You want to hop into the Discord, go to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. I'm in there. Hats in there, Jocelyn's in there, lots of folks are in there talking about all kinds of stuff, including Redfall uh, and episodes when we post them. There's a lot of great conversations as, as folks uh, work their way through the episode. So definitely join us over there. Now, uh, before we go, I would usually say uh, special guest hat. Where would people find you on the internet? Which I understand will, will probably dwindle to uh, just Twitter uh, by next week, right?
1: Yeah, um, I've accepted a job with Blizzard as the new associate influencer manager in the Hearthstone team. So that means that all of my podcasts have wound down or are in the process of winding down, at least for me. Uh, my Hearthstone shows will keep going. So check them out over at com and com if you like Hearthstone. Uh, but for me, Twitter.com slash RidiculousHat is the hub of my content. And if you're listening to the show, you're probably in the TGI Discord. I'm in there sharing opinions every so often. Uh, and if you're not in there, what are you doing?
0: What are you doing? waiting for us to tell them to get in there. Uh, you had actually posted today that you got that Steam Deck. That was uh, that was one of your comments, which was uh, really good. Yes. Yes. I'm I'm
1: very excited for that too. I'm going to spend a lot of time fiddling with it. Uh, and Ryan, where can people find
0: you? Yes. Well, you can find me on Twitter at rmurphy. You can find Jocelyn at JossPlays. You can find the show at The Gamer's Inn and as Hat said, you can find Hat at RidiculousHat on Twitter. You can find our uh, past episodes at gamersinpodcast.com. That's where you find links to all kinds of fun stuff, including the articles we talked about today. That's going to do it for this episode of the Gamers Inn. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week.
1: Bye.